Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and welcome in to the NFL on Fox podcast presented by Verizon. I'm Dave Hellman, and can someone get Jason Sanders some milk and cookies? He plays the role of Santa Claus on this week 16 Sunday, delivering the best present of all, a playoff berth to the Miami Dolphins with a walk-off field goal. Miami Dolphins lead the storylines coming out of week 16, at least Sunday of week 16. It's a busy weekend after all. The Dolphins beat the Dallas Cowboys by a score of 22 to 20. Thanks to Jason Sanders. You know what? Scratch the milk and cookies. Y'all are professional football players and coaches. I know what you make. Get Jason Sanders a better present than that. Get him, get him something dope as he hits five field goals on five attempts. The Dolphins kicker goes good from 57, 52 and 54 in the first half to keep the Dolphins going. And then after a very impressive drive from Tua Tungavailoa and the Dolphins offense to grind it out and get into easy field goal range, a 29 yarder as time expires to not just win the game, not just get the Dolphins their best win of the season so far, but officially clinch a playoff berth, a big, big Christmas Eve for the Dolphins on a variety of levels. And let's bring in our guys who called it. Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson were in Miami as the Dolphins punched their postseason ticket in style. Guys, it feels so fitting. The Dolphins, they get the walk-off. They get their best win of the season. They, they clinch the playoffs. Just with the playoffs right around the corner, what do you think it can do for their confidence to have a performance like this, you know, rolling into the postseason? I think it's huge the way it happened because it was kind of a, a grinded out game in some ways. And after Dallas put together that epic drive to go ahead, I, I think that deflates a lot of teams. But they were calm. They went right down the field. They took it down. And Jason Sanders had an unbelievable day. I, I think it's a, you know, coach defining for his tenure win from Mike McDaniel. Absolutely. And now I think the conversation is, is Miami, are they in the conversation to be the team to beat coming out of the AFC come playoff time? For sure. I mean, they are that good. This defense under Vic Fangio just continues to get better in spite of all the moving parts with injuries. And Mike McDaniel, just the ability to continue to get the ball to his playmakers, get the ball to Tyreek Hill and Waddle. And, man, I'll tell you, it's a tough team to stop. They're balanced on both sides of the ball. And got to feel good for Mike McDaniel now only in his second year back-to-back playoff appearances. And now they play Baltimore next week for possibly the number one seed. So that's uh, a lot of good things for Miami now, Dave, after that win. On the Cowboys' side of this, I mean, y'all were there in Buffalo. It was a heck of a lot better than it looked a week ago, but still just a few too many miscues. What do the Cowboys need to do to turn these road moments into wins? 
Well, we thought, uh, you know, we talked during the commercial. We thought they did it. You, you called on the air for Dak to have his defining moment. He did. It was an epic drive, a 17-blade drive. They took the lead with, what, three and a half minutes to yep. go. Did everything you had to do, and it felt like the drive that's going to kind of get Dallas into a deep run of the playoffs, and maybe they still have it. But to lose after that is just gut-wrenching. Yeah, that's, that's why I think a lot today. Last week, there was a story coming out. Dallas fell flat. Yep. Right? They went up to Buffalo. They got flat-out beat. Fine. Today, they weren't great, but I think they made the plays. You mentioned the big drive there in the fourth quarter to take the lead. But you just have to give credit to Miami. Three and a half minutes, you get the ball. Dallas had all three timeouts plus the two-minute warning, and you kick a walk-off game-ending field goal. You don't even give Dallas a chance to get the ball back. That's, that is hard to do in this league, burn off that much clock on both sides of the two-minute and not even really give Dak Prescott another shot to take the field. Yeah, tough one to swallow day for them, no doubt. Hey, we got y'all a walk-off, though, just in time for Christmas. Wonderful present for y'all. I hope you have safe travels. Catch y'all soon. Happy holidays, brother. See you soon. Appreciate it. For the briefest of moments in the fourth quarter, it looked like it was going to be a good call on my part to wear this awful, tacky Cowboys Christmas sweater that I have on the set right now. Alas, it was not meant to be, but so close. You tell the Cowboys ahead of time that the Miami Dolphins are going to score one touchdown in this game. You're taking that a hundred times out of a hundred. Jason Sanders providing the difference with the field goals because you'll you'll take one touchdown to a tongue of Iloa finding Raheem Mostert in the passing game. It was the only time the Dolphins found the end zone all day. But thanks to the clutch of their kicker, they did manage to score on six of nine possessions. Efficiency wins out in the end in this case. Greg Olson mentioned it. The Dolphins defense also came to play, absolutely smothered the Cowboys in the crucial middle of this game. It looked like it was going to be a track meet to start. The Cowboys go 75 yards on each of their first two possessions. Crucial backbreaking fumble by Hunter Lipke on the first possession. They score on the second possession. It looks like we're headed for a 35, 31, 38, 35 type of game. And then the Cowboys offense went almost full two full quarters without so much as a first down. They battened it down. Then the Cowboys sprung to life at the end of the game. But by that point, you're you're playing to take the lead in the final five minutes. It's too little too late to mount the type of offense we're used to seeing from the Cowboys. It was a step in the right direction from Buffalo. This is what you wanted to see from Dak and the Cowboys when they went up to face the Bills. Dak Prescott was incredible. Not enough to salvage any type of MVP candidacy, I don't think, especially in the loss. Lose back-to-back games to AFC rivals. The Cowboys fall to 10-5. and They, They look like they're on the outside looking in as far as winning the NFC East and certainly for contending for the for the bye week in the NFC. But Prescott posts a posts a passer rating of 108, throws for 250, and two huge touchdowns despite Tyron Smith on the left side of the offensive line didn't play today. He did all of that despite getting sacked four times, hit 12 times on the day. As KB mentioned when we talked to him, 17 play, 69-yard drive in the fourth quarter. Almost legendary stuff. I don't know how well it's going to be remembered in light of the loss, but the the throw to Brandon Cooks, the catch by Brandon Cooks to take the lead 20-19, to absolutely incredible day. But they just couldn't quite complement each other the way that you need to to win road games. Lipke fumbles at the goal line that keeps the defense from playing playing with an early lead. Then 
as the defense is getting its thing together, the offense completely stalls out. It felt like the Cowboys went an hour of real time without a first down there from the midpoint of the second quarter to the midpoint of the third. And then when the offense rediscovers its mojo, they take the lead 20 to 19. It's just one stop too many to expect the Cowboys to get there at the end. And credit to the Dolphins for a big boy drive to a tongue of Iloa. Four of five for 31 yards on the game deciding play. Dolphins only ran the ball for 20 yards on this possession, but one of them was such a big boy run going six yards on a crucial third and two. If you don't get it, you're kicking the field goal early and, and hanging on, hoping you can stop Dak Prescott one last time. Instead, they pick up the third and two. That allows them to kneel the ball out in the game on their terms. I know the Dolphins are downplaying this whole thing. Mike McDaniel, the head coach, doesn't want to talk about how they can't be good teams. They're not listening to the outside noise. I choose not to believe it. I think it matters a a whole hell of a lot to this Dolphins organization to not just get a playoff berth, to not just win this game, but to beat a team that will be in the playoffs to prove to themselves we can beat a team that's got 10 plus wins. Yes, you can. You clearly did it, and you did it by performing in the clutch in the fourth quarter. And, oh, by the way, The Dolphins are now back in the race for the number one overall seed. We'll see what the Ravens do on Christmas night against San Francisco, but it's not a stretch to think that those two teams have the same record heading into week 17 when guess what? They play. I'll say it for the millionth time. Somebody give the schedule makers in the NFL a raise this year for setting up all of these huge, crucial games right in the stretch run, right when it matters most. Dolphins are right there in the mix with the Ravens, depending on on what happens there. As for the Cowboys, I kind of touched on it. It's a heartbreaker just because you find a way to lose at the end, but it's so much more forgivable, in my opinion, than the no-show in Buffalo. It does highlight the inability to play cleanly on the road. Penalties at the wrong time, red zone turnovers, long stretches without offensive success, and because of it, 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 it's a one-off. You say, hey, we almost won on the road against a 10-11 win team. I don't think that counts for nothing. I think it does matter that they played this well, but the irony is that now it looks that much more likely that they're going to have to do it in the playoffs. We'll see what happens with the Eagles and the Giants on Christmas Day, but it's looking very, very likely that whatever run the Cowboys go on is going to have to come as a wild card team, go on the road to likely face the NFC South champion. Not to say that it can't be done, but they're going to have to find a way to do what they haven't been able to do all season in order in the playoffs. It sounds like a tall task, but maybe I'm just a glass has full kind of guy. It's easier to imagine they can do it having played this way than what we've seen in games against Buffalo and even going all the way back to San Francisco. I don't think any Cowboy fans want to hear that right now, but it feels a lot less bleak at this time this week than it did just a week ago coming off that Bills loss. Enough about them. The story of the week, clearly, it's the Miami Dolphins finding a way to win a huge game against a playoff team. They do it in style. They punch their ticket to the postseason division title right there in front of them, maybe even potentially the number one seed. Big, big week down in Miami. Second item on our Sunday six actually happened on Saturday. It's just that time of year, wall-to-wall football over the weekend before the holiday festivities really kicked into overdrive. The Buffalo Bills escaped L.A. with a 24-22 win over the L.A. Chargers. And it's not quite as fun 
as if they had, had beaten LA down. Don't get me wrong. I don't think anybody in the bills mafia expected it to be that difficult, but they do get the field goal inside the last 30 seconds of the game and the Buffalo bills. However, they do it. They have won three straight games. They have won three out of their last four. Most importantly, their path to the playoffs has become as straightforward as it gets. Just win, baby. Not needing to look at anybody else's results. You're not dependent on anyone. Cincinnati Bengals lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers earlier on Saturday. That opens the door for the Buffalo Bills. They are officially the sixth seed in the AFC with a nine and six record. If they win their last two games, they're in. And honestly, the division title's not out of play either. The AFC East division still up for grabs. They play Miami at the end of the year. They don't even officially need to win both games. If they go one and one, they are still eligible. It would depend on a few other results. So let's just keep it simple. Buffalo Bills, keep winning. You win and you're in. Two more games left to go. This one, like we said, was a little more stressful than it needed to be. Even if it wasn't pretty as it was supposed to be, I want to make sure we shout out the Buffalo Bills defense in this game. They kept it close long enough to turn this into a comeback win. Buffalo offense looked like it forgot there was a game on Saturday night for the first quarter or so. And even into the second half, the Chargers managed to drive the ball with some regularity. But every time they did, the Bills were there to force them into a field goal. Cameron Dicker scored three fourth quarter field goals. If even one of those is a touchdown drive, we might be talking about a completely different scenario where the bills managed to choke away this golden opportunity. That's not what happened. And we'll get to the heroics of the offense in a minute, but the defense played as big of a role as anyone in that we've talked about the guys they haven't had. They lose Matt Milano early in the year. They lose Tredavious white. Micah Hyde has been injured recently. Didn't matter. And yes, I know it was Easton stick, but they did manage to hold the Chargers to less than 300 yards on the day. And again, forcing the Chargers into as many field goal attempts as they had was crucial in this game. I want to make sure we mention Ed Oliver, the Buffalo Bills defensive tackle was about as dominant as you can expect a guy to be in this game. I think in a league with so many superstar DTs, whether you want to talk about Aaron Donald, Jeffrey Simmons in his own division, Quinnen Williams gets a lot of attention. Those guys are all great. Ed Oliver shined like, like he is paid to shine in this game, came away with two sacks, another two quarterback hits, four pressures, got a sack of Easton stick in the final minute of this game. After the bills had taken the lead that kind of put the game on ice, just a fantastic performance leading a defense that had five sacks on the night. I do think the bills defense was the unsung hero of keeping this winning streak alive, but then there is Josh Allen and let's talk about him for a sec. I think it's time to say the guy's very quietly putting together an MVP resume. And yes, I know what you're going to say. He's thrown 15 interceptions. It's a ton. It leads the league heading into Christmas weekend, but I think we owe it to ourselves to look deeper. It wasn't fair last year. The amount of piling on that people did of Dak Prescott for throwing interceptions. It's equally not fair when you consider what Josh Allen is doing in, in, in spite of having so many turnovers on his resume, he scored all three of the bills touchdowns on Saturday, his 57 yard pass to Gabe Davis in the first half vintage, Josh Allen buying time, evading the pass rush and just using that howitzer of an arm to find Davis behind the entire secondary also rushed for two touchdowns on the night gives him 13 rushing touchdowns. 
in the league. That's fourth most in the NFL, second most among quarterbacks behind only Jalen Hurts. And all told, Josh Allen has scored 40 touchdowns this season, 27 passing, 13 rushing. I'm not sure we're giving enough credit of how high of a number that is. That is an absurd seven more touchdowns on the year than Hurts who is second with 33. So Jalen Hurts doesn't play till Christmas day. We'll see what he does against the New York giants, but I feel comfortable saying he's not going to have seven total touchdowns and catch Josh Allen this week. So we, we will go into the final two weeks of the year. I assume with Josh Allen leading the league in touchdowns by a pretty comfortable margin. Yes. He has thrown more interceptions than you'd prefer, but that is a cost that is worth paying. If you are capable of 40 touchdowns, in a season with presumably more to come. And while the bills nine and six record isn't becoming of NFL MVP, like I said, they're mathematically alive in the AFC's title race. It's entirely possible. They're playing for the division in week 18 against Miami. If they do it, if they manage to steal the division from Miami and they're one of the top two, three seeds in the AFC heading into the playoffs, can we rule out Josh Allen? as a dark horse MVP. I'm not so sure. It's going to depend on what the 49ers do. Brock Purdy, still the favorite. Lamar Jackson, obviously, deserves mention as well. It's going to be fascinating to see how their game on Christmas night changes the MVP race. But until then, Josh Allen's just kind of lurking in the background. And if the Bills finish the season as hot as they are right now, I don't think we can rule it out. For our next item in the Sunday six, we're going to keep it right there on Saturday. That Bills Chargers game was noteworthy on both sides of the ball. As usual, we like to spotlight a moment, a decision, a performance by a coaching staff in the NFL. And even in a losing record, we need to talk about Chargers interim head coach Giff Smith in this week's coaching spotlight. It is brought to you by Verizon the official private wireless network of the NFL's coach to coach communication. How could we not talk about the job done by gift Smith? I know that moral victories aren't a thing in the NFL. I'm going to make a Christmas exception here for the first time head coach. Who's never even been a coordinator, by the way, gift Smith coaching football since 1991. He's been in the NFL since 2010, 13 years in the league. He's been coaching the chargers defensive line and linebackers since 2016. Guy had worked under three different Chargers head coaches before he became the interim head coach himself just nine days ago. And what does he do? He pushes the Buffalo Bills to the brink. And that's just a week and a half after this team allowed 63 points to the Las Vegas Raiders, a game where we knew at halftime that Brandon Staley's time in charge of that team was probably done. They rebound the next week. They were two touchdown underdogs at home. They hold the Bills to 335 yards, 24 points. They led the game for most of the fourth quarter. Remember, settled for too many field goals, unfortunately, but they led the game right up until the final 30 seconds. Tyler Bass's go-ahead field goal puts the Bills on top, and it stays that way. On paper, maybe it's, it's not all that impressive. Chargers had just 273 total yards of offense. Too many field goals. I get it. And yet... 22 points is actually the Chargers' highest output in six weeks. All the way back to that 41-38 loss to Detroit six weeks ago, this team had been struggling to score points, whether they're losing in Green Bay, whether they're winning games 6-0 in ugly, ugly fashion against New England. It hasn't been pretty. This is the best that they've played. And to do it 
against a red hot bills team with a phenomenal quarterback and Josh Allen. I get that they lost. I still think it's really impressive and it's, it's a forgettable moment in a forgettable Chargers season. This will go down as a disappointment for them. They're mathematically eliminated. The goal was to get to the playoffs, but remember no Justin Herbert, no Keenan Allen, no Joey Bosa. I just think with all of that working against them to hold on until the final seconds against the bills thought it was really impressive. And, and I think it's important to that organization that the team showed some fight, that they showed some pride. I get it. It is a moral victory. And, and it's a bummer that you're hanging your hat on that this holiday season, if you're a chargers fan, but it's a hell of a lot better than the alternative, which is just withering away over these final three weeks. Giff Smith, deserves credit for that because we saw what this team looked like last time out 63 freaking points. It could have been really ugly here on Saturday night and it was not. And that is a testament to a job well done from the interim head coach Giff Smith. Let's keep the Sunday six rolling with what I think is the coolest news in week 16 to this point. That would be the Detroit lions, not just clinching a playoff berth, not just getting to the postseason, but winning their division. We absolutely have to make a big deal out of this. No matter what happens next, no matter where the Detroit lions go from here, they win the NFC North, which is actually the first time they've ever done it. We've talked a lot about it's been 30 years since they've won their division. 1993 was the last time what gets lost in the shuffle there is that that was the NFC central that they won all those years ago. The Detroit lions until Sunday had never won the NFC North since realignment 2002. When we switched to the current format, they were one of just two teams in the league that had never done it. Now, sorry, Cleveland Browns, not to rub it in Cleveland, the last team that has never won their division in the current format. The last time the lions won their division, Tampa Bay was their division rival. The Seattle Seahawks didn't even play in the NFC. That's the type of stuff we're talking about. That's what makes it so damn cool that the Lions go on the road. They beat the Minnesota Vikings by a score of 30 to 24 to finally clinch that division, get that home playoff game. That's where I want to start as I'm joined now by Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma, who had the call in Minneapolis. All right, y'all, you know, teams say all the time that winning the division is the first step. It's the first goal to accomplish. But for, for a team in a city that hasn't won the division in 30 years, is it fair to say that this feels a little bit bigger than your average division title? Well, Dave, it is the first time since 1993, and we spoke to Jared Goff the other day, and he said if we do it, it would be the first check mark. but it is a huge accomplishment for the Detroit Lions organization. For how hard they've worked, not just this season, the past couple seasons. Jared Goff coming in, Dan Campbell, they started off over. Everyone just kind of left them and thought that they were never going to turn it around. They brought in some players, some tough guys, turned it around. So I'm really proud of the current players and, of course, for the organization who made a commitment to the fans that they were going to right the ship, and they did. Lions have shown a little bit of a tendency to, to win it the difficult way here over the last month or so. JV, I'm, I'm curious from, from your perspective as a player, when you manage yeah. to win these dramatic sorts of games, how, how does that serve a team when you get to the postseason? Well, it gives you confidence that you know you're never out of a game. 
right? It doesn't matter how you win so long as you find a way to win. And that's what they're going to talk about on Monday. There will be a ton of things to correct for the Lions, offensively and defensively. But the point is that they know they're always going to find a way to win the game when they need to because these close games, they add up, especially in the playoffs, when the talent is the same, the skill set is the same, you have to execute, and they found a way today. They're hoping to do that again in the playoffs. The Detroit Lions, the NFC North champions. It's got a nice ring to it, guys. I hope you have happy holiday. Really appreciate the time. Thanks, Thanks Dave. Dave. Happy holidays. It's big for anyone in the NFL to get a home playoff game. It matters no matter what. This is an accomplishment that the Lions should celebrate, feel good about regardless. But it feels especially big for this team, the way that they're constructed to be guaranteed at least one home playoff game at Ford Field. The first ever playoff game at Ford Field, by the way. For starters, I don't think it's a coincidence that the Lions have scored 30-plus in all five of their wins since the bye week. The strength of this team is its offense. It always has been. Typically, when they fail to flirt with the high 20s, low 30s, they don't win games because gaining yardage, scoring touchdowns is their bread and butter. You're not going to win defensive battles with the state of the Lions defense. 389 yards, it's honestly not even that gaudy of a day for the Lions. It's only their seventh best yardage output of the season, but they were a very, very impressive four of five in the red zone in this game. Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery combined for three red zone rushing touchdowns, a couple of those on the goal line, and Jameer Gibbs in particular. I said this on Sunday afternoon. We can argue till we're blue in the face about the value of a running back, was Jameer Gibbs drafted too highly? I think there's merit to both sides of that argument. But here in December, when you're in the home stretch of the season and you're fighting to clinch a playoff berth and your division, Jameer Gibbs runs for 80 and two touchdowns, catches four passes for 20 yards, 100 all-purpose yards on the day. I have a feeling Dan Campbell really, really happy about the decision to draft him where they did. And those points helped offset Another leaky day from the Detroit defense. They they had a standout night against Denver last week. We can't take that away from them, although I think it's fair to point out Denver's offense, not a unit that has consistently scared anybody this season. This weekend, Sunday, it was the fourth in their last seven that the Lions defense has allowed 350-plus yards since the bye week. It's really been a weekly adventure in terms of how many yards and how many points they're going to give up. Nick Mullins... Some of this yardage was negated by sacks, which there were quite a few, but he passed for 411 yards on this secondary. He and Justin Jefferson picked up a third and 27 in the crunch time of this game that looked like it was going to lead to some big time Detroit heartbreak. The Vikings were right there with a chance to take the lead in this game late, which let's be honest, would be something that the traditional Lions would do far too often. This is a different Lions team. This is an opportunistic team, even if they're not great. They get the interception down in the red zone. They picked off Mullins four times on the day to offset all of that yardage. And that goes back to my point. You play at home. What's going to be helped on defense? It's going to help your pass rush with the offense going against crowd noise, needing to go to a silent count, not being able to get ahead of things. It's going to help your pass rush. By virtue of that, it should help your secondary playing in a raucous home environment inside. I think having a roof on your stadium will probably help your offense move the ball and score points as well. So playing at home matters to a lot of teams. I think it really, really matters to the Detroit Lions. And at least in the first round of the playoffs, 
We know they will get that. They lock up the NFC North for the first time in team history. Coolest story of week 16 heading into Christmas Day. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real Steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I want to continue the Sunday Six by just taking a look at, for lack of a better word, the smorgasbord of playoff madness that happened on Christmas Eve. Whole bunch of games that didn't lock up playoff spots, didn't necessarily eliminate anybody, but definitely served to muddy the picture, as it were, looking at the playoffs heading into week 17 as we sit here on Christmas day. So there's a lot to get to. We're just going to go through a list of important games and break down what it means, where it's going. We're going to start that in Atlanta where the Falcons reannounced themselves as a viable team. They beat down the Indianapolis Colts 29 to 10, looking like a much better team than even just a week ago. They lose to Carolina in that nasty rainy game. They switch quarterbacks, Taylor Heineke coming in. The irony, of course, is that even in a lopsided loss, the Colts are mathematically in a better situation than the Atlanta Falcons are. But hope springs eternal. The Falcons, at least with, with a slight playoff chance after the big win. I'm joined now by Adam Amin and Mark Schlereth, who are on the call in Atlanta, talking all things Taylor Heineke and, and maybe these rejuvenated Falcons. All right, y'all. I'm sure Arthur Smith makes the switch to Taylor Heineke, hoping he can provide a spark. Is it safe to say that's what we saw here in Atlanta? Yeah, it felt like a spark and a lot of help from the defense as well in the running game. I think there's a combination of a couple of things. The play calling, and we're, we're pretty well aware of it because we saw the debacle in Charlotte a week ago. Sure. I think a combination of a lot of things. Heineke at the forefront of that was a big deal today. Yeah, I think the tight window throws by Heineke. He just was not afraid to throw the ball into tight windows. Did not turn the ball over. And then I think Arthur Smith got what he wanted. All three backs contributing, using those backs in various ways, getting the ball in space to Bijan Robinson and then just hammering people with Tyler Algier and kind of that changeup with Patterson as well. So it's exactly the kind of game plan that he's wanted to implement all season long, but the turnovers have really cost them. Yeah, they did not cost them today. It was a clean game for the most part from Heineke. I heard y'all mention this on the other side of things. Thankfully for the Colts, it's not as disastrous of a day as it could have been thanks to some other results sure. around the AFC, but if they're going to bounce back from this, what do you think needs to be the biggest key? I mean, give me a sense of it, Mark, because we heard a lot sure. of different things for this group. What do, what do you think is at the top? Well, of I think what you saw today was a defense that wasn't afraid of the deep ball. They weren't afraid of being attacked over the top, so they played a lot of man coverage. They put a lot of pressure on Gardner Minshew. They need Pittman back. Pittman takes that pressure off this defense or this offense and puts it back on the defense and makes them play legitimate football. They can't cheat that way. So they really need that big-time threat in the receiving game. They didn't have it today. Therefore, they shut down the run. They were able to sack the quarterback, Atlanta being, you know, that team that really put the pressure on. Yeah, I think Mark was talking about about this during the game, Dave, where Atlanta could start to bring pressure, right? They could keep bringing pressure because they weren't afraid of getting beat over the top. 
like you would be if you did have Michael Pittman in the contest. After that opening drive, the, the great drive that Gardner Minshew led, 13-play series, they get seven points from Jonathan Taylor on the ground. After that, Falcons defense had six sacks. That was a season high. They had an interception. They had two stops on fourth down, and they only allowed three points the rest of the game. So really strong effort, but a lot of that has to do with no Michael Pittman. Yeah, we talk a lot about Heineke, but for sure, good, good point to mention this Atlanta defense. Big win for the Falcons, but both of these teams very much alive in the playoff race. Guys, happy holidays. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Thanks. It's not often you get your ass kicked in December as a wild card contender and have it amount to absolutely nothing, but that's the situation the Colts find themselves in. Call it a mulligan. They lose 29 to 10 in Atlanta and not ideal, clearly, but doesn't change a whole lot in their playoff picture. And that's because the entire AFC South decided to do them a solid and lose the whole division. Oh, and four for the weekend, everybody losing and the Colts, despite the loss, still holding a playoff spot. They fall to the seventh seed. They're now behind the Buffalo bills up at six elsewhere in the division. Again, their division rivals doing them solids all over the place. The Jaguars with a banged up Trevor Lawrence, go across the state to Tampa Bay and get their asses totally kicked. This game was never in doubt. The Bucs scored early and often. They were up big at halftime. The second half was merely a formality. Trevor Lawrence adds a shoulder injury on top of the ankle and the concussion issue that he's already dealing with. It is a bleak, bleak month for the Jaguars. They were fighting in that race for the number one seed a month ago. Now it's four straight losses and they're fighting for dear life to even be on top of the division. Maybe if the Colts could take advantage of it, they wouldn't be there anymore, but they technically are thanks to tiebreakers. They still hold the four seed, but they go down big time. And Oh, by the way, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a fourth straight win improve to eight and seven on the season. Baker Mayfield. I'm stealing this line from my good friend. Trevor Sikama, call him Baker December field. The way this guy's playing a thousand passing yards in the month of December, averaging 253 per game, 10 touchdowns to just one pick in his last four outings. He's four and oh, this month saw reports on Sunday morning that the bucks were very willing to have Baker Mayfield remain as their starting quarterback in 2024. I'd say, uh, yeah. Bucks closing in on the NFC South championship. Not a done deal yet. Atlanta re-entering the fray on Sunday with that win against Indy. There's still work to do. They play the Saints next week, though, and they are red hot with a chance to host a playoff game. Bucks taking down the Jags in, in big-time fashion and, of course, rounding out this AFC South fail fest. The Houston Texans will be, will be nice to them and point out that C.J. Stroud didn't play this game. Case Keenum getting another start, but just a rough performance from the Texans, particularly offensively. The Browns go down to Texas and whoop up on them. 36, 22 it was a lot more lopsided than that score makes it look the Browns still not officially clinched, but 10 wins on the season. They will be watching that Baltimore game like a Hawk to see if the 49ers can let them back in to the AFC North race. And can we just take a moment? to shout out the performances of week 16 so far, Joe Flacco. What a, what a pickup. We we've talked about it a lot, but which doesn't do justice to the job that he's doing. He was on the couch 
a month and a half ago. He threw for 368 and three touchdowns in Houston. And maybe you heard Amari Cooper caught 11 of those passes for 265 yards and two touchdowns. Can you hear that sound you hear? That's fantasy managers all over the nation either celebrating Amari Cooper for winning him their playoff game or cursing him for coming out of nowhere and doing that. What was that? Like a 50 point game in fantasy football, Amari Cooper, you are ridiculous. And to, and to think there were cowboy fans that tried to convince me this guy didn't show up on the road. Yeah. freaking right. Amari Cooper, the star of the week and the Cleveland Browns, despite all their problems, they are 10 and five and sitting real pretty in the five seed with maybe an outside chance at the AFC North. We'll see. All right, let's wrap up the Sunday six in Christmas fashion with what we're calling our holiday wish list. heading into Christmas. We'll throw in new year's beyond it. Things we're hoping for, for this coming week, for the year to come, just kind of get into that festive spirit. Just a couple of things. I'm, I'm just hoping to see in the weeks coming up. Let's start it with Christmas night. I am wishing to Santa, to really anybody, that Baltimore, San Francisco delivers on the hype on Christmas night. Let's face facts. These big hyped games this season have rarely delivered on their potential. Dallas, San Francisco was a dud. Philly, San Francisco was a dud. Dallas, Buffalo was a dud the other day. Even the Eagles-Chiefs game, Although it was close, it was a rainy, sloppy mess. It was not what we look forward to when we turn on the TV. I hope that changes on Christmas night. The Niners are a five, six-point favorite at home. The top two seeds from each conference, it just, come on, just give me something. Give me a walk-off touchdown or at the very least a back-and-forth game. I'm rooting for some fireworks. I've been underwhelmed by the big-time games far too often this season. All I want for Christmas is for this to be fun. I, I'm, I'm holding out hope they can help me out here. Elsewhere, mentioned it earlier in the show, Santa, let, AFC, let the AFC East be on the line when Buffalo plays Miami in week 18. I don't care how we get there. I just want that to be at stake. I want the Bills to have come from behind, and it's, it's nothing personal against you Dolphins. I just like having stakes. I want to sit down on the final day of the season and say, whoever wins this gets the home playoff game. Whoever loses, maybe the bills are out entirely, or at the very least, they've got to go on the road and run that gauntlet in the AFC. It's just fun. It's fun to have division titles come down to the wire. I don't think it's going to happen in very many divisions this year. This could be one. And man, what an epic game. If it's Josh Allen against Tua and Tyreek, with the AFC East on the line, the Bills fighting to keep their streak of division titles intact, Miami fighting for that home playoff game. Just sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. Got to wait at least a week, maybe two, to see if we get it, but man, I can't wait. All right. Elsewhere, another another literal Christmas wish. Can I get a Chiefs receiver not named Travis Kelsey to have 100 yards this season? You realize Rasheed Rice did it against Vegas on November 26th. He is the only non-Kelsey to post a hundred spot for the Kansas city chiefs this entire season. Well, chiefs are playing the return game against the Raiders on Christmas. Maybe this is the spot, whether it's rice, whether it's literally anyone else, 
How much better would you feel about the Chiefs' odds of making yet another deep run in the playoffs if somebody other than old number 87 can get open and catch the ball on a regular basis? I'd like to see it. I don't even have Rasheed Rice in fantasy. This isn't even self-serving. I just want, I want to have faith in the Chiefs because it makes the AFC playoffs that much more interesting. Jumping way, way ahead. It won't be the holidays anymore, but look, I, I want the Detroit Lions to play the LA Rams in the NFC playoffs. And that feels cruel if you're a Lions fan. You get your first home playoff game in 30 years and it's got to come against one of the best players in franchise history, the number one overall pick quarterback, Matthew Stafford, who you have so many fond memories of, who was never able to get the Lions over the hump. Doesn't feel fair that that big moment for Detroit would come against Stafford in that situation with the Rams coming to town as a wild card team. But look, I'm sorry. Selfishly, the narratives are just too fun. The storylines are too cool. The Rams would be red hot in that scenario. Obviously, this would be one of the best Lions seasons ever, no matter how it finishes. If it winds up with them getting a home playoff game for the first time since the early 90s, what a way to bring it in than to have a chance to beat the guy that you could never quite get there or who could never quite get you there, depending on how you want to look at it. I hope Lions fans think fondly of their memories with Matthew Stafford, but it'll be no love lost in that situation. And it'll just, I mean, it'll be the storyline of the first round of the playoffs. If that comes to pass, I'm hoping for it. Speaking of which had a couple of y'all write in to tell me what you're hoping for. Had a commanders fan tell me he's wishing for a better football team. Think that, uh, you know, that's, that's probably been a wish in Washington for about 35 years now, but Hey, as bad, as bad as it might look here in 2023, new ownership is on hand. I have a feeling changes are coming the commander's way after this season. We'll see how it all plays out, but you just might get your wish in 2024. Also shout out Sean bears fan speaking for bears fans everywhere. I'm sure when he says all he wants is the number one draft pick for the Chicago bears. Hey, no matter how much better the bears have looked over the second half of the season, I think you're going to get your wish that move with the Carolina Panthers looking smarter and smarter. Hard to imagine that Carolina won't finish with the worst record in the league. And therefore the Chicago bears will have the number one overall pick that feels almost like a certainty. So Merry early Christmas to Sean and all bears fans for that one. I'll wrap it up. I'm just hoping somebody somewhere in the NFC South finishes with a winning record. We know the saints are back below 500. We'll keep an eye on everybody else. It looks like it's going to go to the finish, but it just doesn't sit well with me. Maybe, maybe it's because the Dallas Cowboys have a good chance of having to be the five seed and play the NFC South champion in the first round of the playoffs. Maybe this is self-serving, but can we at least get an NFC South champion that's sitting at nine and eight this year? just doesn't sit well with me to have a losing team go into the playoffs and selfishly it would be that much more embarrassing if the team that I am forever tied to the Dallas Cowboys were to lose a playoff game to a losing team. No, thank you. Trying to avoid that fate in 2024. So Santa, whoever, if you can hear me, this is my wish list plea. 
We'll see if they come true. That does it for the Sunday six, but it wouldn't be a show without some bonus content from our own NFL on Fox insider, Jay Glazer Stop by the show as always for another edition of ask Glazer and what better time to check in with Jay than with the coaching carousel truly heating up. Stay tuned for more. All right. It's week 16. It's time for a special holiday edition of ask Glazer with Jay Glazer, our buddy. Happy holidays to you, brother. NFL on Fox NFL insider. Happy holidays to you, my friend. How you doing? Doing great. All right. Let's get right into it then. It's that time of year. I know the season's still got a couple of weeks left, but more than ever, people are thinking about postseason awards. Bader wants to know, you have a favorite or maybe a top three for NFL coach of the year? Oh, man. So a lot of times, you know, I, I still think it should go like the teams with the top record. So like Kyle Shanahan this year. Okay. Probably Absolutely. not getting enough credit, right? right? Yeah, because it's almost like, oh, they're supposed to be that good, so let's not give them the credit, right? But the job Sean McVay has done this year, right? There were people thought they're going to be a four or five win team. All of a sudden, they're a playoff team. Um, the job Kevin Stefanski's done with backup quarterbacks the whole time. So I think those are uh, Mike McDaniel. Also, I know we need three, but man, McDaniel. Um, I'm probably thought you know the Dolphins were going to be. I don't know. Did we think they were going to be this good? It, I, I thought, thought I thought playoff team. Yeah. yeah, I'm a sucker for what Shane Steichen has done. <clears throat> Shane's done a, yeah, <clears throat> Shane's done a fantastic job. Obviously, without Jonathan Taylor been banged up, losing his quarterback, fantastic. But yeah, I still got to go. You know, Cleveland right now. You know, in a playoff seat. I think four different and, quarterbacks. Yeah, um, and then but also like Sean McVay, that that Rams team. <clears throat> you would not want to see them on your schedule right now going forward if you're a team trying to vibe for a playoff spot. It's the last team you want to see is the Rams. And that was, you're right. It was clearly a team right. that was kind of yeah. left off to the side. I, the I would say, I would say, I would say Kyle McVay and, and uh, Kevin Stefanski right now. And it's an interesting conversation too. Of like, and, well, and you got to throw Dan Campbell in there. Wouldn't the, 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 the yeah. NFC North finally win well. the division. Yeah. Right. But they finished, they finished strong last year. So we had a lot of hopes for Detroit. So yeah, I think I'll go with those three. It is, it is an interesting point of like, I mean, Kyle Shanahan has done a wonderful job just Fantastic. because the Niners yeah. were expected to be good. I think they've even exceeded those. But remember they came back with a quarterback. Also, we didn't know how healthy he was going yeah. to be. It's easy to forget. Question from Brett. He wants to know who will be the Patriots coach and quarterback in 2024. Just putting you on the I, spot. I, I don't know. Who, I don't know who it will be, but I could say, I don't think it'll be Belichick. And I don't think they have their quarterback of the future on the roster right now. So either one. So I don't think it's Mac Jones or Billy's happy. They have to go get themselves a quarterback. Um, I, I, I think that the time is just, you know, the circles run. Sometimes it's okay to just have a change in a place, right? So like Andy Reid you know, with Philadelphia, it, it was just time for a change. And look, it Absolutely. worked out great. It worked, ended up working out great for both sides, mm -hmm. right? So sometimes it's just time for a change. Um, and I just think that's probably the case here in New England. He has a defense playing great still. I just don't think the quarterback's on the roster. I know. The quarterback for the future. I know Brady's been gone for a long time, but it's still weird to think that both of those jobs could be different in 2024. Right. Question from Andrew. The Jets get a walk-off winner. Looked like they were going to blow it, then they get the win back. But we're still, I mean, they're still mathematically eliminated. We're still... The ship has sailed on yep. Aaron Rodgers or not, or not so much? Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that, look, and I know the owner had a saying it also, but I talked to people this week saying, hey, is there a chance he just takes like a ceremonial snap just to show everybody he's gotten back faster than anybody who's ever had his Achilles torn in surgery? And um, 
Everybody I talked to said no. But listen, I one thing I don't do is try and read any tea leaves with Aaron Rodgers, and you just never know. But it, it doesn't seem like right now. I will tell you this. He did run the scout team this past week. And people I'm friends with inside the Jets said it was depressing because he was, like, carving up their defense. Uh, and they're like, oh, what could have been? What, what could have been? You know, the fact that Aaron Rodgers is running a scout team is, yeah. I mean, that is a hell of a statement yep. in its own right, even if he doesn't play. That's that's crazy to think about. And yeah, I can't imagine being a Jets official yeah. just watching watching yeah, that. Yeah, they say it's depressing to watch. I, yes. I, I can imagine. All right, we'll wrap this up. You can take this any direction you want, but it is the holidays. Want to know which team needs Santa the most? That could be, like I said, so take I it. I told Santa today when I saw him, listen, man, if I see you in my house, that's breaking and entering. <laughs> I'm not giving you any cookies, Okay. You have no business being in my bed. We're just collectively okay with that, right? Um, I would go back and say the Jets again. I mean, man, right? Everything was, was, if they need some holiday love, it's them. And because everything was finally, and then once Aaron got hurt, it's like, oh, they're cursed. It's just, they're cursed. And, um, and then it just went downhill from there. And it just, what could go wrong went wrong. So I think they need some holiday love more than anybody else. Yeah. Well. Rodgers is at least healthy enough to practice. That's a good sign but for next year, But that's more depressing because right? you see how good he is in practice. I'm trying to spin it forward, though. No, but you asked who needs the love. They yeah, need some Santa. All right. Hopefully, Jets fans, hopefully you get some like Who else Who else would we presents. say here? I would say, yeah. I would no, say, I, I, think, yeah. I think the Jets are a good answer. I think, uh, you know, going back mm -hmm. to the Patriots, maybe find that quarterback yeah. with uh, with the top pick. Yeah, but no. I would think the Grinch would be there more than... <laughs> In, in terms of preseason expectations versus where we sit right now, yeah, I think Jets is a perfectly yeah. solid answer. Jay, hope you have a happy holiday, you too, my man. I will see you soon. Thank you, man. Thanks for the time. Just like a Christmas present, let's put a bow on this bad boy. That wraps it up for Sunday in week 16. But it's the gift that keeps giving. The NFL never takes a day off, not even Christmas Day. Got three big games coming your way. On Christmas, we will be here on Tuesday to recap all of the action. The Chiefs have a, a chance to clinch a playoff berth. The Eagles now have a chance to take the inside track on the NFC East against the Giants. And, of course, the big, big one, Ravens 49ers on Monday night. We will have Eric Williams on the show to recap everything that happens there. We'll get into the power rankings. You know the drill. There's, there's no days off, not even Christmas here on the NFL on Fox podcast. We will have all of the goodness for you, whether you're traveling and need something to listen to, whether you're just catching up on things that you missed while you were with family. Hope you're having a wonderful holiday season. In the meantime, please go find us on Spotify. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We have a YouTube channel. Maybe you've heard me mention it. Go subscribe to that. Wherever you get your podcasts, wherever you find your NFL news, you can find us. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. I will be talking to y'all very soon.